0: talk about bridging people and technology and talking about being on the information highway without burning people skills. We cannot, you know, this forego, you know, technology is very valuable, but we have to know how to apply it without burning people skills. Just like you put your car in six gear, you know, you burn less gas there, but you get further down the road and put less stress on your engine. So that's how we have to vision, uh, uh, envision this uh, artificial intelligence and technology, and we have it at our fingertips, but we still have to be abreast of how we can put the human element into that. Uh, what the technology is, is kicking out.
1: You're listening to the Lifelong Learners Collective. This is a podcast that facilitates a community of game changers and expansive thinkers ready to become the most bold, vibrant versions of yourselves as you each manifest the life you desire as each episode is recorded to inspire you. I'm your host, Ella, and I am thrilled to have you on this lifelong learning journey with me and my incredible guests. Hello, Lifelong Learners. Get ready for another incredible interview. My guest, Anthony Simmons, is a retired Navy captain. He served for over 28 years. While serving, he developed human resource strategies. He is now the CEO and founder of Six Gear Consulting, and you're gonna learn more about what he does in this interview and his passion of bridging people and technology in the fast-progressing tech world. We talk all things AI, adaptability, and the generational gaps in the technology industry. And in the fall, he released the book, Championing Organization Wellness. And I'm excited to let you all know that this is the first podcast that he's appearing on. This is going to give you guys a front seat to learn more from someone who has such a wealth of knowledge and experience to share with us. I also, before we get into the interview, want to let you guys know about my promotion in January, amazing promotion with Magic Mind. Magic Mind is still going for now. It's also brought to my attention that you can get up to 75% off with this promotion if you subscribe for three months. You can go to www.magicmind.com slash J A N better self, one word, then enter in the promo code better self. If you're a multi-passionate person like myself, and you're always on the go and finding things to get into magic mind is for you. It's the perfect addition to your routine as it increases focus and productivity whereas I used to drink energy drinks in addition to coffee every morning. It left me jittery and eventually made me crash. Magic Mind gives me the sustainable energy to last throughout the day. It reduces my need for any other caffeine on top of it. And the ingredients in Magic Mind include matcha, which is a known healthier alternative to coffee. also contains lion manes and lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms. They are adaptogens that are proven to reduce anxiety and increase focus. The best part is I don't taste any of this. I don't taste any of these ingredients. Instead, it's a refreshing fruity shot that goes down so easy. I love sharing magic mind with all of you, of course, and my immediate circle as most of my friends are very dependent upon caffeine to get throughout the day. But finding this more holistic alternative that's gonna help them sustain energy and focus in a more effective way is just overall so impressive. Once again, the Magic Mind team has created a stellar offer for me in January to share with you guys. You're going to get up to 75% off your first subscription in the next 10 days and 20% off a one time purchase with code BetterSelf, one word. You get it at magicmind.com slash J A N B E T T E R S E L F, one word, and redeem the discount code BetterSelf. But hurry up because this 75% discount is only going to last until February 9th, 2024. Now I hope you're ready to listen to this amazing interview with Anthony Simmons and I. We're going to discuss his impressive background and his approach to technology. You're not going to want to miss it. That uh, Anthony, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, Ella. Happy to be aboard, and appreciate the invite.
1: Yeah, of course. So, Doctor Simmons, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and share with us your story?
0: Absolutely. Uh <clears throat> I help from a small town, uh, Goodwater, Alabama. It was a working class town where I uh graduated from Goodwater High School in 1985. I was fortunate enough to be all state quarterback and high school valedictorian. And I went on to up to Austin P State University on a football scholarship. There, way I lettered in football during my time there, had a quite, you know, impressive career and a good opportunity to grow while I was at Austin P and and one of the challenges we found with college athletics is you don't really do any intern or any work prep. So I, as a result, I went off to a Officer Candidate School, Newport, Rhode Island, got commissioned as a Naval officer and, uh, and became what we call a surface warfare officer. So I was a ship driver, served in the Navy for 28 years. I had the opportunity uh, to do four at sea commands. Uh, which started out early in my career as a senior lieutenant, I uh, commanded a patrol coaster in 1999. So, I had quite a few years in executive realms of the Navy. I uh, went on to command uh, two guided missile destroyers. One operated out of uh, Japan, uh, and then I my final tour was a commodore of a destroyer squadron where I uh, oversaw the operations uh, and employment of seven destroyers, and I uh, steamed uh, over into the Middle East with the Theodore Roosevelt Strike Group as the sea combat commander uh, commander, during a lot of the, the planning that involved the carrier's employment. From there, I retired in 2018, and embarked upon this journey as a a, and a doctoral scholarship program at Regent University in order to continue to grow and to support that journey of lifelong learning, which is in tune with this theme of our uh, show here.
1: I love that. You are the perfect guest for this show because you're definitely a lifelong learner and you have a wealth of experience to share with us. Let's talk about your book, Championing Organization wellness. Tell us what inter-organization leadership is and organization wellness, and why it's important.
0: Well, good. That's I. I, I love that question. Uh, you know, I. I, I look uh, as we grow in life and the things we uh, embark upon. What I like about the Navy. I'm a natural learner, intellectual. Those are my gallops. Two of my top five there, along with Achiever, Focus, and Responsibility. Those are the other three. And and I, throughout the Navy, what the beauty of my career, who I am today, I had the chance to go through Junk Forces Staff College. And it's one of the uh, progressive tiers we go through. I, you know, after twenty years in the Navy, I probably spent anywhere from 8 to 10 in the classroom. Okay, and that pretty much uh I would say satisfied my uh innate you know uh ability to want to continuously learn and throughout that staff college we ha- I had a thesis uh and it had to do with interorganizational relationship and this was uh right on the tail end of nine eleven and we look at nine eleven we saw the world just getting all crazy out here it had so much information in the poor you know in uh that was available at our fingertips, but no one knew what to apply. So it's not information availability; it's the application information. We had enough stuff, uh, information there that was uh, available to have uh, to prevent what happened during 9-11, but it was just a matter of not pulling down the right information. So as, as we, uh, the information uh, began to become more uh, available, uh the data got so big that we it w- was not usable. So how do we turn you know uh that data into meta data, which is possibly we can apply? So I did the thesis in organization relationships and I just started thinking about how do you uh keep the human involved as information becomes more and more available? How do we get these organizations to talk and interact with each other? So there were some missing pieces, so we can't uh discount you know, the value of technology. So I was like, well, let's look at this then. How do we take advantage of the information highway without burning people skills? And I thought about this concept of Sixth Gear, which is a company that I found, and it's about common sense and putting the man into the loop, you know? And that Sixth Gear is about, it's like putting your car in overdrive, you know? You got this highway out here. All these super highways that you can, you know, speed pretty well on. And but, but you need this overdrive so you don't burn, you know, these people skills by using the common sense. You know, man in the loop. You know, um, what I call eye contact. You know, the basics. The speech class we taught. You know, way back in our uh, undergraduate studies. You know, tone of voice, body language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that way we get our head head around this information. And also to tie into that. In the ships out here, we have these Aegis destroyers. They have automated uh, combat systems on there where I can pretty much go uh, air warfare automatic and the ship will fight itself, but... You can't afford to do that because it wouldn't have much discretion on, you know, when to the fire, they're not assessing the situations, et cetera, et cetera. Same as the human does when they hear an act, you know. So we always put man in the loop. So we disable the automated process there. And that's what I like to do with inter-organization relationships. I have to keep man in the loop. That's why six gear a slogan is to bridge people and technology and in order to capitalize on the information highway without burning people's skills. So that's the genesis of inter-organization relationship and 6 gear consulting llc
1: what are some of the challenges with people and technology that you are seeing today some of the most common challenges
0: we you know if you look at ai and you look at yeah. chat GT, right gpt the, the challenge is we can only uh capitalize on what's predictable And as we always say, anytime you have something planned, it doesn't, you know, survive first contact, okay? So when it doesn't behave as predicted, then we get false information, false data, and that's the issue. And we're in a world that's so uh, flexible now, so much change, so volatile. So that works against us. So, So we have to have the human intervention in order to make sense of some of this artificial intelligence. So it's just false narratives. what I say put, put, is the issue with artificial intelligence.
1: I always look at artificial intelligence, kind of like the way people look at money. We blame money on a lot of things, but we're there to be in the driver's seat with our money. I feel that way with artificial intelligence. Yes, it's growing. It is we're, we're using it already, whether we realize it or not. Yes. And I think it's very important to get into the driver's seat of AI. Why do you think AI is so scary for some people?
0: Well, it's all about discretion. Okay. And it goes back to basic life skills. And that's what I want to re-inject into people. Okay. You have to think. Okay. And uh, you, you have. If, for instance, if I text, I'm gonna go to the simple version of AI, this texting vice communicating. Okay, if I see three or four texts, how much is lost, how much information is lost in the text? But well, people rely on it. And it's nothing wrong with AI, it's nothing wrong with texting, but we can't, you know, be afraid to communicate. And the biggest challenge with AI is we fail to rely on our innate abilities as human beings. So it erodes human skills. So we have to, you know, uh reinstitute those abilities. So it ain't so much what AI does that's the challenges, it what it uh disables, what it takes away from us, the human intervention. Do you feel like sense.
1: yeah, and do you feel like smartphones are responsible for deteriorating some basic people skills with other generations? So Millennials and Gen—I'm a millennial. Millennials and Gen Z that grew up having the internet in their pocket, essentially. There's a in Absol- between, like Gen X that didn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I just read a, a book on leading across diverse uh, generations. I think Dr. Elmore wrote the book there, and it talks about the different generations. And 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 I'm first of all, I don't ever want to uh, look at any generation as being better. I'm an Xer. Okay, and I've studied the millenniums. I've studied the, what do they call the COVID generations or the Z generations, and they, they all have skills and they probably smarter than the, you know the the boomers, which is before me. And They as the extras and myself, but we just got different things that we look at. But we still have to hone other areas that you know that we're lacking there. So as far as the smartphone, uh, having a adverse impact, absolutely. I'm gonna use one example. Uh, I have a, a son that's a millennium and it's just they don't, they don't believe in landmarks, you know. If they can't get directions on their phone, it just nothing makes sense to them at all, you know. So he, I mean, it, it could be a place he frequents almost like, almost daily. But if a phone goes out, he just has never paid attention to the surroundings enough to get himself from point A to point B if a phone goes dead. You know, I mean, it's just, we just lose sight. We don't even watch the environment we in, you know, as we travel along a path. You know, one of the beauties of life and you remember take I, I always took those country trips and I could just always remember certain landmarks, you know, this, you know, the beauty of it and what have you. And people say, yeah, you remember that church down there with the red top on it. You know, you're talking right there. And sometimes you just admired the church and also you know it was the right turn, but they don't see anything. You know put the phones and the directions so you're really missing out on a lot in society and the, the you know just the beautiful nature that we live in so that's you know this sort of probably a little ironic that i would go there but i think that's one of the biggest you know challenges with smartphones it just takes so much else away from you to include the you know the beautiful landscapes that we're surrounded by
1: i fully agree with that and i caught myself doing it on a hike this fall We were taking photos and we were just taking pictures of us jumping in the leaves. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm putting this away for a second. And just so have it, when we get to the big peak, there is no cell phone service. So you really got to know where you're going and what you're doing. But you're right. Sometimes people get so caught up in what's going on outside of the world. We forget to be present in, in the moment. And it can take away some of the joy. I love last week we had a conversation before going on the show. We both grew up in the country (laughs) where you had to know the roads.
0: Exactly.
1: Had to know the directions and cell phone service didn't always reach.
0: That's accurate. Yes. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, it is, you know, and that's once again, that just concerns me because I, I think uh, as people, you know, we all have special gifts and talents and we just can't uh, afford to disregard, you know, those skills and what have you, and just rely on technology all along.
1: Now, do you work with generations that maybe haven't worked with technology most of their career? I mean, at this point, most people have at some capacity, but who maybe rely on the younger generations for web development or maybe learning how to use certain AI tools?
0: You know, when people say practice what you preach, you know, I have been a lifelong learner. One of the things, benefits I have had is, you know, I worked with traditionalist generation that, you know, was born up to the forties. And then I went from that to the baby boomers. that came, I think 45 up to 65. I'm a sick. Yes. And I was born in 67. And then I had the pleasure of working with the millennials. I think it goes from like 83 to 98. Then the Z from 98, you know, to, uh, <clears throat> and I want to say maybe '2020s 20s or what have you. Okay. So I say all that I'm in the middle, right? So I saw the, the, the older generation where we walked around on the ship and we had everything on a what we call a little green book, little notebook. Okay. And then the um, millennials came aboard. They started doing everything with the PowerPoint, we call the PowerPoint Rangers, Okay. Every technology base, you know, and they were just so good at it. And I realized that um, once I retired that in order to, especially if you're going to do entrepreneurship, you know, you don't have everyone to your hands like I had, you know, in the ship there. And when I was executive, I had the millenniums that was doing all the different AI using all the powerful tools. So when I went into the doctoral program, everything has to be done with AI, Well, this collaborative, you know, blackboard, everything. So I'm like, ah, oh, geez, how do I go back and, you know, learn this stuff? But it was hard, very, very, very difficult. So I say, you know, hands on experience because I did have the traditional generation who did everything one way, and I was a crossover as an extra where i started out doing a lot you know with the old traditional generation and then i moved in uh, boomers then i moved into the millennials and the Ziers. so i sort of got stuck in the middle so i had to learn both sides and i get to see it from both perspectives there so uh it, it's been quite a challenge but i tell you as i you can't go without it That's so why i'm very careful when i talk about bridging people and technology and talking about being on the information highway without burning people skills we cannot you know this forego you know technology is very valuable but we have to know how to apply it without burning people skills just like you put your car in six gear you know you burn less gas there but you get further down the road and put less stress on the engine so that's how we have to vision uh Uh, envision this uh, artificial intelligence and technology, and we have it at our fingertips, but we still have to be abreast of how we can put the human element into that, uh, what the technology is is kicking out.
1: And putting the person back into it. Yes,
0: it's. yes and, and why not to so but this it just, it just this is one of the biggest challenges america is facing right now is with hiring process a lot of people get sued because of ai because there's buzzwords that's coming through the resumes and you know, people are not even looking at you know the language in there anymore so uh now there's some discrimination for people you know, hiring process due to ai
1: do you think ai has a certain kind of bias to it we talked about this at a girls in tech conference that the biggest concern with ai is know, just like the tech industry, there's still some struggles with diversity in the tech industry. Do you think AI has its struggles in terms of maybe in some ways it is it is not inclusive to all groups?
0: <laughs> it's biased what you're saying. It's you biased, know, it, absolutely. Yes, it, it is. You know, in life, I look at what I do, who I am. Okay. I look at an organization relationship, I look at the things I embark upon, you know, and everything boils down to who we are as human beings. Okay. And there are some people that have strong work ethics and they're going to dig down to the second and third layer and make sure they get stuff right. And there are some people that are just intellectually lazy and there are some people that are intellectually manipulative. And you'll find more of the intellectually manipulative than anything. Okay. They're looking for shortcuts and ways to be, you know the task at hand. So my last. Uh, for our first O5 Command in 2007, 2009, the USS Lassen and I was in Japan. That's when I start. The Navy has always been a standing service where we uh, just had experience so we passed it along, but the Army was more only stood up and during wartime. So they spent a lot of time studying doctrine. I say that because the Navy relied on the the experience of the guys that came before and because it was always an ongoing service, but, and we would have like murder boards. We would teach the younger officers coming aboard the ship, how to, you know, uh, get qualified. And we relied on each other, but then the new generation started coming aboard the ships and they didn't want to talk with each other, right? They only want to take what they had. So when I would try to qualify my the officers to, to drive the ships and uh get the uh warfare qualifications they wouldn't communicate with each other and then they had the boards and i asked tough questions they couldn't answer the questions so they felt like i was being mean and uh but because they refused to talk, so they would become intellectually manipulative. So fortunately, my wife had, uh, did a master's in human resources. So I did a lot of the studying around, around critical thinking and learning about generations. And that helped me to sort of bridge that gap between where my millennium officers were and what you know I was thinking as the qualification and you know uh, the sum of the whole But we relied on each other. And they looked at it as if asking someone else for help. Learning from another person was a, a, a form of weakness. You know, it makes you feel like you're incompetent. So because everyone become autonomous and independent in their learning process. But you only learn so much. Autonomously, independently experience is just so valuable. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest challenges I saw. Uh, back to your, your question with you know the biases and uh how that could work again, you know, adversely against someone. Uh so yes, absolutely. There's a lot of risk that's involved with uh with the biases that's associated. It's because people are people, you know, and the value of what we have to offer is, is you know, it's, it's about who you are at your core. And if you're going to take and just rely strictly on some, it's artificial, okay? Uh, artificial keyword. Yeah, that's the operative term. So artificial input and make decisions on that, people decisions on artificial input, that's just not going to give you your optimal solution.
1: I've heard of people talk about how they'll write their emails using AI or yes. I've even had a uh, podcasting friends say, yeah, I wrote this episode out using AI. I was like, I'm going to talk about this. And this is what ChatGPT GPT said. And I look at that and I was like, no, if I read that, people would know that did not come from me.
0: Yeah. You see, but that's because you throw it because you care, Okay. And same as someone put five resumes on your desk. And if you looked at AI and gave you an answer, and then it's okay. I'm going to look at that. Then I'm going to read all five. And then you can discern the difference between the quality of those people based on AI and, and what, you know, you actually inferred based on just reading it. You know, I'm gonna give you a parallel right quick now that we're talking because I, I like to deduce stuff as we talk. Uh, you, you remember the example I gave you a few seconds ago regarding GPS, not understanding yes. that we
1: rely too heavily on it.
0: So GPS, that's a good parallel to how AI robs you of opportunity to get your best candidates. You can't see the landmarks, you know. You don't see the landscape, you know. So the only thing you're doing is just following that 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 path on that phone there. So that's how I would compare your question of, regarding AI and uh, human resource is to uh, finding a direction, you know. So <laughs> I like that one.
1: What can the listeners do to further prepare for the evolution of AI?
0: Well, I always feel, and this once you go back to end organization relationships. You know, it's not the availability information; it's the application. Okay, I, I give you an example. And you said, "What can listeners do?" Uh, what they do now, they, they look at the most powerful person. I always, it, this has always bothered me on the ship. I say, "Okay, I'm the captain of a ship, and I have maybe a guy fresh out of high school that's a maybe junior listed personnel, and he may send an email." Over the com- computers and hey, the ship has a fire in this in this compartment. I may send an email saying, hey, you know, I had a great weekend, you know, hanging out, you know, at the uh, uh, you know at the beach or what have you. So mm-hmm. who email are they gonna read? So they're gonna read my email because it came from the captain, right? But the mm-hmm. ship's gonna burn because they didn't take they didn't value their you know this junior listed person's email, but he's giving us some real vital information. So how do we determine what information we pull from? You know, that's the that that's that's the fallacy, you know, uh, with what we are, you know, in the, in the AI world. So that's why you have to have people skills. You have to be able to, uh, I call, pulse your environment. And but, the, but the, the concern is we're losing that. It's eroding. So that's and how do we do that? We got to start back doing interactive training. I don't believe in the lecture, you know, concept anymore. You go into a spare room, you know, we're in a world of co-equals. Now, just some of the other empowerment, it's one of the chapters in my book that I speak to. We want to have flat working organization, but you can't have a flat organization if people don't grow. You know, you can't do, you got to do strategic thinking and acting in the same place, you know, in order to have value that's added. So we, to imbue people across a lot of different uh ranks in categories you know with the same uh skill sets so we can solve the problem in the sum of a whole by some of a parts perspective so uh that way we all become viable to to the solution there so we can look and discern what's real and, and you know what's artificial per se what's based on predictive you know uh, behavior vice actuality and that's what uh AI does, like I said, it takes a pattern and who knows what's the the onset of that pattern. It just goes in that one direction. So it doesn't account for changes.
1: Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like talking to somebody and telling them how you're actually feeling, what you're actually doing. And then they turn around and be like, oh, well, I've been watching this on Netflix lately. It's almost like there's a broken communication there.
0: There's no listening skills. You know, I, I, I find it more frequently now that when someone engages me uh, with where they are in, the, in life and the conversation they want to have, and I could readily, sometimes I do it intentionally, I listen to them, and I just stole a lot of bits and pieces about what I've done lately to see if they're going to come back and expand on it. And almost nine and a half out of 10 times, they stay on course with what they're thinking because they have no interest. That means they're not listening. A lot of times, also because they just only geared on what they're thinking. So, and that's once again, it, it looks at that predictive pattern that I just talked about, artificial intelligence. You know how it projects and predicts, and people are beginning to behave the same way. And once again, there's no human intervention that's taking place when people communicate with each other. They don't value each other. And I intentionally, as I said earlier, I I talk to people, and I found myself once I uh, was texting and. I, had to, I have to force myself at times, stop it. You know, you are behaving like, you know, society's behaving. Pick up the phone and talk to someone. Even if someone I maybe I'm not going to say intimidated by, but someone I'm sort of reluctant to engage. But I take, a, I make a conscious effort to engage those people that I'm not inclined to engage. It's just so easy. And sometimes it's so cowardly to text and it's just not the way to, to do it. You know, and we so, in, you know, and, and, but we, it's our comfort zone. So in order to take on some of these challenges, we're gonna to have to really make a, a concerted and calculated effort, you know to help restore and help people understand why it's important to communicate. And that's why you to have interactive training environments as I was speaking to earlier, more like a town hall town hall setting so people can, you know, voice themselves, let you know how they really feel. We have to really grow people to get these skills you know reinstituted per se. It has to be intentional.
1: has to be intentional. And you have to be somebody that's willing to actually engage with somebody, let somebody see you, fully see you, and fully see the other person. It's so, I think one of the biggest struggles you know, I can cause sometimes face as an individual is, yeah, I feel like, yeah, they see me, but they don't fully see me. They want to mm-hmm. see certain aspects of me or people sometimes will ask me how I'm doing. They only want to know certain aspects of my life. They're not necessarily concerned with what I'm passionate about or what I'm excited about doing.
0: Yes. They, they, they have what we call the pre-planned response, you know, they yes. have, uh, and it's really around the surface. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, uh, you know, think about leadership coaching. That was my, especially uh, when I did my doctoral program. And there's this piece called a coaching conversation that involves four parts. One is open-ended questions because you force people to talk. You know, I didn't know yes or no answers. You got to do intuitive listening. That's the piece you're talking to right now is not so much what you're saying. Why are you saying, you know, and once I understand that, it's going Uh, It's going to force me to really, really listen closely to the inside. That way I can understand your problems, you know, deeper, you know, and based on where they're coming from. Then the last two parts of this coaching conversation is uh, once you disclose to me or reveal some of the things that, you know, may be eating away at you, then I say, okay, how do you? i have you to design your course of action you know through what you how can you best work that and then once we do that then i'm here to support you i'll call you a couple of times here and there to follow up on what you was doing hey what if you do this you try this you try that and then we continue to dig deep into then it become an iterative process we eventually you know uh get out to that you got know, that problem that's there but it, it goes back to the intuitive listening though because once you do that and you come as you said you talk and then you know, obviously people not listening, they go back to what they already had, you know, predetermined you guys was gonna discuss. So then they don't even actually open any questions. The questions that come back to expand on what you just revealed to them. So that, that that's one of the, you know, I regardless of 28 years of executive, you know, the 20 years of executive experience and 20 years of, uh, 28 years in this military, traveling over 63 countries. One of the best things I did was when I actually embarked upon uh, the doctoral scholarship uh, at at Regent University. I went there because it was a uh, Christian-based school. I felt I needed to understand some of my gifts. And I found my Romans 12 gift gift is to teach uh, and inspire people. And then once I got my head around that, I began to really understand how to tie academia into experience, you know, to really frame and and, uh, edify some of the, pieces that really drives, you know, uh, what we are in the world today. And I think considering this, it's just so important now, I feel, to have those skill sets so you can best, you know, uh, interact with people. And a lot of that becomes me continuing to grow. I felt Uh, in order to help people, which is my goal in life, to make people around me better, in order to help people, you first have to continue to grow yourself. And that's what I aim to do in order to continue to build that platform.
1: So I'm gonna repeat that. In order to help others, you have to grow yourself.
0: One percent accurate. That's why I read the. That's why I read the books on that di- the generational diversity because I really have to understand. You know, they don't in order to be able to make you know add value to their life. So yeah. So I, in fact, I had that epiphany this morning but I woke up. I said, No, what? What is it? That's I know. Uh, Ella has this lifelong learning, you know, theme that she gets after. And I said, what does lifelong learning really entail? And I just talk about, you know, what have you done, you know? Uh, and I said, well, you know, what I've done is I had to continue to grow in order to help others. Because mm-hmm. they're going to change. Because once again, like the, the AI, things change, you know? So you can't predetermine, you know, what people require. So you have to continue to grow so you can help others.
1: Love that you said that. That's why you're a perfect guest for the show. You're a, the epitome of a lifelong learner. You thank have you. so much education and you continue to learn. And since your gift is teaching, you continue to learn and share that with others. So thank you for that. Thank you. What is something that you want to share with us that you've learned very recently? Something just, it can be anything. It can be a cooking you, or-
0: What I've learned now, I'm reading this book. I'm gonna share it i'm really big i'm a cross-border type guy okay this is a book by he's uh he's a conservative author his name is okay, Chilly, okay? and it has to do with booker t washington and theodore roosevelt i and,
1: love theodore roosevelt
0: and i wrote the uss theodore roosevelt and this guy wrote over 30 books teddy roosevelt and i tell you he's such a gem along with booker t washington And I was looking at how they are aligned and how they work and how the book is structured is they'll do a chapter on Booker T, they'll do a chapter on theater, and they came through the same life cycle, you know, everything parallel, you know, their educational years, the years as a, you know, uh, professional, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's some pieces on there uh, pertains to uh, Frederick Douglass. And then it ties into Abraham Lincoln. And then I started looking at life, right? I said, man, we're talking about this world of inclusiveness, right? And I, you know, I know that DEI is really causing some challenges. And I can see, this, first there's too many terms in there. I mean, you you have to find a term that has a positive spin on it because we'll find certain terms, we'll find anyone that's negative and we'll put a negative spin and turn it into something that is not meant to be. But at the end of the day, the world is about people connecting and appreciating each other, right? So what did I learn? Back to your question. I realized when it comes to being inclusive, you know, we are Americans of melting pot in different races or what have you. And there's always a challenge between African Americans and say um, the Caucasian Americans. Okay. But we always have to work together. And how do we do that? You know it's the most important piece how do we appreciate each other we all had different roles as time progressed so I saw the parallel between uh Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass they worked together you know to to make things better in that era Now look at Theodore Roosevelt Booker T Washington they worked closely together you have people like Carnegie uh um Mellonet went down to Tuskegee uh, University today, the institute it was a normal school back in those days, and, uh, and a normal Tuskegee Normal Industrial Institute. And uh, well, Tuskegee Normal Industrial School. So they were involved closely to make life better as a whole. And then I look at the parallel between Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy. I just so in all these errors you look at these you know I just that's what I learned and I just it was like man this is you know this is pretty interesting you know and in this in the lesson there it's about being you know uh uh inclusive and i read uh decision points by president george w bush and i read american the promised land by president barack obama and i tell you those two gentlemen was both inclusive mm-hmm. you know? presidents and i feel that people should read those two books in order to see cuz sometimes we like to look at someone's party affiliation and feel like they don't really support everyone but president bush george w bush did a lot for people across the whole board there you know uh, and i just thought it was so important uh, this to see those those parallels there so that was the biggest epiphany i had within the last week and thank I'm just you, halfway through the
1: book. <laughs> you're just halfway through the book. Well, thank you for sharing that. I will add that to my list. I think it's important, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, to look at both sides and see where they're coming from. I can kind of look at both sides, even the political figures that I do not agree with. I kind of look at them with compassion. Like, why are they what, they that way? Why are they saying that? And I can kind of see a little bit more than what we're seeing on the surface. So I love that you look at both sides of the spectrum of politics to kind of see where you truly stand and what's important to you.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it, you have to be, you have to be really open-minded, you know, and that's the key. And that's felt like if you, um, what I like to talk about the difference between say, uh, Booker T Washington and say Frederick Douglass, even a WB Du Bois Mercedes are real strong figures. And, um, most African American um uh, people. And it's it's really just about being cordial sometimes, talking to where people I'm not in uh don't feel threatened. And those are one of the biggest lessons I have to learn in life because I, I was always just real hardcore, tough guy. I was what you see is what you get. But I learned, you know, you have to be a little more not necessarily diplomatic, but you have to be very, very, you know, cordial in how you interact and deal with people, no matter how they think where they are in life you know so you have to get people to embrace you know what is you're saying and you know what you're trying to get after
1: beautiful beautiful well to anthony thank you for being on the show will you tell us what's next for you and how we can continue to follow you
0: yeah I, i'm really trying to the book champion organization wellness i know this is my that i showed you here oh, i love the cover yes yeah, yes thank you and what is what it does is it's a a combination of academia and my 28 years of Navy experience, you know, leading across uh, 63 different countries. And one thing the United States Navy does is you go back to the cell of the Great White Fleet, which is one of those uh, initiatives done by General Roosevelt. Uh, Naval officers are taught a lot of diplomacy. And and we always felt as a Navy, you know, we dare to sort of shape the landscape so we can do a better job in acting people so we don't have to go to the war okay so do throughout those excursions and training with other nations i learned to appreciate other cultures we will go into different ports we would do what we call cultural uh integration uh through goodwill projects community relations and what have you before we actually go out and exercise at sea okay because we felt in order to gain the best value from another nation, you have to see things from, from their perspective. As we've been talking about people over time. And this book's uh borrows from those stories. And I and when I went through region, I like to get into Hebrews 13, where it's Jesus went outside the gate and brought the blood back into the church. It's, what does that really mean? You know, scripture can, you know, the exegesis of scripture can be challenging, you know, no matter where you are, you know, but my interpretation of uh, eisegist of that, scripture is jesus went into the communities to get to know the people he brought the bad everything he saw into the church so he could best understand those people and that's what i like about culture and i look at america and like i said my goal is to make those that i surround myself with or people that i in, engage better and best understand themselves and appreciate each other so i feel america is replete with tons of cultures you know and we don't appreciate it. If I can go into the United States Navy, travel around the world a few times, over 63 countries, and try to understand those cultures so we can best operate with them and accommodate each other. Why can't we do it right here at home? You know, just to really understand. I listen to a lot of people talk on LinkedIn. And it's just so quick to want to bicker and mm-hmm. just create so much chaos of ourselves. Let's just listen. Let's appreciate each other think. Let's try to overcome blind spots. And that's all my book, in a nutshell, it talks about self-assessments and know who you really, really are, where you are as a leader. So if you don't know where you are, you can't meet other people and help them because they're going to be in different places. And halfway is not the same for everybody, depending on their background, depending on the resources, depending on the education system they came from. So you self-assess who you are and deal with your emotional intelligence side, which is a lot to do with Goldman's uh, being able to uh you know, self-regulate, you know, to manage interpersonal skills, a couple other pieces there, which is just five components of emotional intelligence. You tie that in, then you go through what I call navigating blind spots, you know, the alt person Versus the won't self, you know, we want to do the things that we're comfortable. We want to go back and follow all of, at the, our ethical makeup, our cultural background. Sometimes that's not always what's good for the people we're with. So you got to do the alt self, like the not self. That's navigating blind spots. And then the other part is the closing conversation that I mentioned to you earlier. And then I have a chapter, uh, six and seven, which is culture ingratiation, in and then uh, uh, empowerment. You know, helping people to grow. Uh that's uh the piece. And then the final one is all these tools I've used to promote uh people development, uh organizational relationships, the interorganizational piece, do strategic design, do cross-functional training. Because all this stuff has to happen in order to pace change that we live in today. So people have to really be agile and flexible because you got internal. You need internal agility in order to meet, you know, external demands out here in a, in a volatile world today. So that's the last piece. And those are the tools that I use as as a. Uh a naval officer. So I just want to continue to promote that product and hopefully people embark upon that, uh, this uh, champion organization wellness, uh, which gets after the inter-organization relationship problem that you mentioned at, at the beginning of this set here, and uh, just continue to push that forward. So that's that's uh, what, what I'm, uh, my vision is, you know, going forward. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And I just, I, and I, I'm excited to see what I feel it could do to, to, to help overcome some of these challenges we we'll see today, along with the artificial intelligence, uh human interaction and artificial intelligence uh bridge in there, which is a part of my six gear consultant. The six mean common sense, which is a six sense.
1: I so, love that. Sixth sense, yes. common sense, six gear. I love yeah. that. Yes, yes. That's so, so that, easy to remember.
0: Yes, absolutely. I was going to name the company Six Sense, but I, I want to be a little more creative. I'm gonna call it Six Gear because a lot of cars have six gears in it now. The highway, everyone's speeding along, we're moving fast. infrastructure is so good, so much is out there. So hey, let's put this thing in overdrive. Let's use six gear here in in six in place of Six Sense, and this but let's speed along fast as we can without burning people's skills though which is equivalent to burning too much fuel. So that sixth gear keeps you from burning a lot of fuel, right? So that's what keeps us going is our uh, people skills.
1: People skills are so important. And I'm so glad that you have an organization that is highlighting that. Thank you. And knowing that people skills are always going to be important, no matter what luxuries we have at our access. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Anthony. I look forward to reading your book and yes. hearing more from you.
0: Yes, could I just offer, I know we didn't, one thing, you know, for us, the book is available, you know, at Barnes and Nobles, uh, Amazon Books, and let me see, it's one other area. that I'm sorry, I got so much. Uh, yes, Amazon Books, Barnes and Nobles, and uh, see, where is this? Apple, Apple, Apple Books, Apple, Apple Books, Books. Amazon okay. Barnes and Noble. and you can also reach me at www. sixgearconsulting. It's s i x t h g e a r consulting c o n spelled out dot com, and visit my site there. And all this information and contact stuff is there. There's a good uh, abstract for the book, and what Six Gear offers as well.
1: Wonderful. Thanks for having me,
0: Ella. And I really appreciate, you know, the questions because, you know, as I talk about learning, you know, your questions was was thought provoking. And, you know, it it just gives you a chance to expand, you know, on, you know, what ideas you already have and some of the challenges we see in society. And, you know, uh, so it was really, really, uh, I'm I'm honored for that opportunity.
1: Thank you. It's a treat to have you. And I'm going to put your additional information in the show notes as well so people can find you and continue to learn from you.
0: Okay, and also Miss Martha Bailey is the lady that I want you to look up from Longwood University. Okay. Really strong story there. I think that you would appreciate.
1: Martha Bailey, I will definitely look her up.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you.